0: Welcome to Great Commission Conversations, a program where we engage in conversation with Bible-believing Christian workers who are serious about getting the gospel around the world. I'm Lee Cadenhead, an assistant pastor at Cornerstone Baptist Church in Carthage, Tennessee, and your host for this Great Commission Conversation. A common source of problems when it comes to mission service and therefore an area that should be of great interest to us in terms of missionary preparedness is the home and family, and more particularly, marriage. This is self-evident in the modern enterprise of missions. Marriage is a challenge in any place, at any time, but when you mix in the pressures of a foreign language and culture on top of intensified spiritual conflict, it's no wonder that this could be a potential problem area. It's for this very reason that the Apostle Paul, arguably the greatest cross-cultural missionary of the apostolic era, spoke rather candidly about the challenges of married life and Christian service in 1 Corinthians 7. He acknowledged the trouble in the flesh and the carefulness that is inherently mingled with serving Christ while married. And yet marriage itself is a picture of the gospel. In relation to the work of missions, a healthy biblical marriage is a powerful testimony of how the gospel works, while a struggling or failed marriage can actually undermine the missionary objective of getting the gospel to the world. Unfortunately, some of our best-loved missionary heroes from the Philadelphian church age were not exemplary husbands. The missionary exploits of men like David Livingston and C.T. Studd make for inspiring illustrations of missionary sacrifice, but those sacrifices often didn't reach to the first party for which they were commanded. Passages like Ephesians 5, Colossians 3, and 1 Peter 3 are every bit as binding upon us as Matthew 28, Luke 24, or Acts 1. My guest today is going to help us unpack this important subject and navigate the sometimes delicate balance of marriage and missions. Brother Stephen, I'm withholding his last name for security reasons, has been married for over 35 years, and he and his wife began serving in missions in 2000, along with their five children. In this first part of the interview, Brother Stephen acquaints us with his background, including his call to missions, and then he begins to wade into dealing with some of the marital challenges of mission service, beginning with deputation, and most importantly, the responsibility of the husband in relation to those challenges. With that introduction, here's part one on the topic of missions and marriage. Brother Stephen, I want to talk to you today about some of the marital challenges and opportunities that tend to come along with foreign mission service. Uh, But we might should begin with a little bit of, of background on your family and how the Lord got you to serving Him in Southern Asia. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about that story and a little bit about your family before we get into the nuts and bolts of uh, of thriving in one's marriage in mission service. Amen. I like the word thrive, but thanks, Brother Lee. Yeah. And, and let me just say this. It's a real
1: blessing um, to be able to talk with you today. I, I praise God for what he's laid on your heart uh, in these broadcasts and whatnot. But I was called to preach in 1990, And that was in actually in Columbia, South Carolina, and I served there as my pastor's assistant uh, for about seven years and did prison ministries and other things. And, you know, what what assistants do. So in 1999, uh, my wife and I and our five children, we were at a missions conference in Walterboro, South Carolina, and actually it was called a missions jubilee. So we got this flyer at our church that said Missions Jubilee, and I said, "Oh, this would be great! I'll take some vacation time." And I I worked a public job also, and and we'll go down and and shout her out for about a week. And you know, this was this was a very serious Missions Jubilee. They had morning service, afternoon service, you know, three meals a day, the whole spiel. But I was really expecting more of a camp meeting uh, type thing, and. So we got there and there were there were missionaries that were preaching and 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 there were men of God that were preaching and and we were just engulfed in this uh for 3 or 4 days and God began to deal with my heart and my wife's heart independently about going to the mission field. So that you know, so our call to missions happened back then in 1999. So when I had it when I had it established in my heart that God's what that that was what God wanted us to do I uh, spoke to my pastor and uh, of course uh, it was a few months later that we started deputations so we started deputation in April of 2000 and the thing about that about our country that we went to is they were in a they were in the middle of a war and but I didn't know that I I this particular nation I had never I did not know it existed I mean, I, there are 22 million people there, and I did not know it was on the planet. So, you know, I just knew before I knew anything. <laughs> I didn't know who was there. I, I knew there were people there, obviously, but I didn't know their religion. Make I didn't know anything about them, but I knew God wanted us there. So, uh, at that point, like like most missionaries, we began studying the country and, and just diligently pursuing it with at every moment everything we could learn about it. So we found out there was a war going on. They were in a civil war and there were suicide bombings regularly. Um, it, and it was, a, it, as it turns out, it was a very, very dangerous place because at counsel from others, I thought it would be good to get some life insurance. But when they found out where we were going,
0: <laughs> nobody would insure you.
1: <laughs> you got that right. No one <laughs> would insure us. So I'm like, okay. But anyway, but what we had, uh, what was what was incredible is we had a call and it was an it was an it was an indescribable uh, absolute call i had it and of course my wife being called to, to help me in whatever uh, endeavors god would have us do she was she had that call but god though we didn't have to do this he was gracious in that he he put a call on my wife's heart too for the same country the same people etc so so we knew that and um so we just began it was closed it's illegal to do what we do there um we had to go in as tourists i mean the whole it's just miraculous how we got there but we went around to god's people and you know we shared this with god's people and there's not a soul brotherly not one single person ever said you know, I'm not sure we can get behind you on this because we're just not sure if if you can actually get there. Nobody, I mean, every, we shared with wow. everyone the impossibilities, the fact that there was a war. Oh, and it's the it's the country in the world that more people die from snake bite than any place in the world. I mean, <laughs> more people die there from elephant trampolines than any place. I mean, it's just a it's just a crazy place. So we'd share this with people, and no, not a single person. Of of all the over a hundred, I mean, you know, many, you know, this many many churches you go to, none of them were were you know, everyone didn't support us obviously, but not not a soul said, well, we can't support you because we just don't think you can get there. So anyway, uh, these impossibilities, we got there and we arrived in uh, October of two thousand one, and we just began to, to to try to serve the Lord and follow Him step by step. So we were there. And uh, God did miracle, miracle after miracle. And in 2008, we were in a village, and, and we felt like we had uh, thoroughly saturated that village with the gospel. And you know, Brother Lee, with 30,000 villages, none of whom have heard any any presentation of the gospel. I'm not talking about a clear presentation. I'm talking about any presentation we felt, well, it's time to pray about another village. Well, as we did that and and clearly open to follow our Savior anywhere he wanted us to go and thinking that we would be there forever. God called me to come back to the States to pastor at uh, a church in Louisiana, Shady Grove Baptist Church. So I didn't really understand all this, but God's God and his ways are not our ways. So here we came full, you know, full guns to, to pastoring and got to Louisiana and began to pastor and never had any intent to go back to this, uh, to this Asian country. So, uh, you know, and you know, this uh, having pastored in now in your, what you do there, you, you know, you get busy in the work and, you know, you just stay, you just stay covered all day long, every day with, with God's work. And, but our, our son, uh, when we came back uh, to the States and I began to pastor our oldest son, Nicholas, uh, within a year he married and he went back to the country where we served. Um, mm-hmm. he had a call to that country, uh, years before and he knew he would be going there as, as a missionary. So he went back and he continued to labor there. Well, after a total of 18 years, um through uh, about uh, through our time there and our son's time there in March of 2018, there's now a church that was ready to be commissioned. So God allowed me to go back to the for the commissioning of that church. And so my wife and I went, commissioned the church. And while there, God began to stir our hearts about going back and um, I totally, uh, totally had no. Uh, idea. I mean, he had been working maybe about six months before, and but as far as uh, leaving the states and going back, we we never had intended that, but God did, and so we went. Uh, we began deputation again um, in. Um, I, I, it seems like it's September, maybe of two thousand eighteen, and uh, and then we we were back we were back there again in January of two thousand nineteen. Well, then COVID came, and we had to come back to the states for a while. But I guess um, my short narrative wasn't so short. But that's kind of the that's kind of the the story.
0: Well, and an interesting side note, which I think is pretty unique of this the stories um, that I've heard about these kinds of things. Uh, not only did your did your son follow in your footsteps to go to Southern Asia to serve in this field where you went. Uh, in 2008, or rather in 2001, from 2001 to 2008, when you went back to the field in 2018, uh, or maybe perhaps prior to that, he had a bit of a transition as well. Tell us briefly about that.
1: That's exactly right. Well, um, our son and his wife, and they have three children, they, uh, they served in a very remote, I guess the whole country's remote, but it's, it's the remotest part of the remote. <laughs> and uh, in fact, they lived, they lived in such a manner that he would, many nights, he would stay up protecting his children from snakes coming in to his home. And uh, so he lived, he lived a very, he and his wife, they lived a very, very difficult life there. And God really used them mightily. Um, But um, also, in fact, it was such the case, let me just say this a little were There were natives of this country that said, referring to our son as Pastor Nick, they would say, you know, if we really follow Jesus, we may have to live like Pastor Nick. (laughs) So... (laughs) That's that's how he lived. But God, God used that in such an incredible way. So after this church was commissioned, um, his wife, Sarah, had had, she has a degenerative bone disease, and she had had three or four major operations before the age of 30, both hips having been replaced, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, but I can't really say it was because of that, but But for whatever the reason, God determined uh, that uh, our son Nick would come back to the States. So he's coming back to the States. And he told me, he said, Dad, I'm just going to come to Shady Grove and work with you and just kind of wait for God to give me some more direction. And and there were other there were some churches that had reached out to him uh, to pastor, but he really wasn't didn't feel like that was those particular situations were the will of God. But anyway. Uh, as God began to work in my heart and his heart, uh, the, the long story short is he's now my pastor. So he pastors Shady Grove Baptist Church, and he's pastored here for two years. And God has blessed that ministry tremendously. So, so my son, our oldest son, is our pastor,
0: and we're back in, in, on the field in South Asia. Amen. Amen. Very interesting story of uh, uh, twice swapping, so to speak, fields exactly. and ministries, and uh, yeah, I, I don't know of a I don't know of an instance quite like that. So interesting to to hear that story. So I really want to talk to you about um, about the subject of marriage, and I know that this is something that's dear to your heart, and I appreciate the the candor with which you speak on this subject in relation to missions. Uh how how long had you and your wife been married when you made it to the to the foreign mission field for the first time? Yeah, we were uh we were married in 1985. And okay. so we went to
1: the field in 2000, so about 15 years. Yeah. All right.
0: And and your your children were I guess um sort of teenage by that, or, or, uh, well, you've got five. So there's a, yeah, there's a pretty broad, uh, age range there, but a- around how old were your kids when you, when you so, made that transition? Right.
1: Our oldest was mid teens, around 15. And our youngest was, uh, I think three or four when we started yeah. deputation.
0: Right. So brother, um, Life in the flesh is hard. Uh, in a fallen world, I'd say marriage is a challenge under the best of circumstances, and, and it's, it's a tragedy to see how the institution has so, of marriage has so miserably uh, failed in, in our own culture. And it's not the institution that's failed. It's the character of the people that have abused the institution. But, uh, you know, we've, we've gone in our own country from super high uh, divorce rates to now people just aren't getting married anymore, um, mm. unfortunately. So the divorce rates are down, but the, so are the marriage rates. Um, in, in foreign mission service, however, we're, we're talking about taking a, taking a relationship that's a challenge for, for any couple in any place. And we're, we're transplanting that to, uh, in, in a situ, to a situation where there are unique pressures, or at least we might say, uh, a situation where the normal pressures of marriage are compounded. And so what do you think are some of the pressures and some of the challenges that are that come to bear on a marriage in the context of foreign mission service?: Right. Well, you're right. the first thing uh,
1: that that you mentioned is just the overall fabric of our culture here in the here in the United States. Um, there's hardly a soul that was saved you know at the at the age four or five and um, just stayed in church, stayed right with God, pursued the heart of God from the time they were saved and and just had this steady, increase of conformity to Christ throughout their entire salvation. Many of us, not all, and there are some of course that, that have fit that um, that what I pattern that I just described, but many of us and, and maybe even most of us, uh, even if we were saved at young ages, we kind of ebbed and flowed and, and, sure. and there were things in our lives that came and went. And then many of us were saved later in life. If you were saved after the age of 20 in our culture, you've got some baggage. No doubt. I mean, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter who you are. And if just living in our culture and being a part of of a, a good church, even from childhood, there's still great potential for baggage. Yeah. So we've got, we've got a man and a woman who have who have now at some point in their lives, they determined that they're going to, they're going to, you know, cast out into the deep and just follow God wherever he leads them. And God begins to call them to the mission field. Well, they, they both probably have experiences, uh, prior to their get quote, getting right with God, whether that had been a serious attitude about serving him or actually getting saved, whatever it was that any marriage is going to have to deal with. So you've got that as, as one issue. And then another issue is this and brotherly all every, every religious worker. And I I use that term loosely, but just for lack of a better term who goes quote full time. And I use that term loosely also, because for lack of a better term, when, when I worked every day, you know, I got up, I, I was at the job by seven, seven I'm coming back home five, five, what, whatever in the afternoon. My wife has a life uh, at home with the children. She's homeschooling and, and kind of doing her thing. I have a, a life out in the secular secular world where I'm, I'm laboring and trying to stay right with God, but our lives, uh, the, the primary uh, work labor that we did during our, our waking hours Mostly we were apart. Okay, now now I'm starting deputation. Okay, I quit my job. We sell everything in our home. We get in a travel trailer and hit the deputation trail. My wife and I are not even used to being in the same building all day long. (laughs) and suddenly we're in a trailer that's 8 feet wide and 40 uh, 30 feet long with fi- with all five of our young'uns. and it's almost like we're learning how to live how to live this way as not only as a couple as husband and wife but also as co-laborers and fellow soldiers and that in itself is even under, as you said, under the best conditions, you know, when a pastor, uh, you know, if he's working a secular job and then, and then now he's he's just focused on the church and his wife and they're laboring there together, just figuring that out in the United States uh, with a home and, a you know, a, 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 the same church you're going to, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm by no means minimizing that. I'm just saying just figuring that out in any circumstances is a big deal. Sure. So you got that you're dealing with, okay? And now you are in a different church every service, which is an incredible blessing. But at the same time, you're being scrutinized, and though you're right. not, but you kind of are. Right. And and people are making the decision: are is this a family we want to to join up with? Yeah. And so every day. If not every day, then certainly on a regular basis, you're getting either accepted or rejected. And so you're dealing with all of that. And if there's any insecurities or whatever in either, every, anybody's lives, that's that in itself, those things are stressors. OK, so you get through not your done. deputation, whether it be a year and a half or five, four years or whatever it is. And now you're going to a foreign field where you know nothing And and you know nothing about the culture. Maybe there's language you have to learn, et cetera, et cetera. All right. So those those are the pressures and those are just a few. But I think probably those are the uh, those have been categorized in kind of the, the in a main categories. Okay. now now add to that, add to that this fact. Very few of us grew up in homes with godly biblical marriages. In fact, very few of us have that, and Brother Lee, if if I have if I have a marriage that's close to that today, I promise you, it's better today than it's ever been. Sure. So that means there have been times in our past that it was no it was nowhere near close to this. Sure. So so my children, even though they've they've been the children of of, of a mom and a dad who have served Jesus with all their hearts many years. They haven't always seen a a good, right, godly biblical marriage. Because now if if they had been born when we were 55 years old and after we'd been married 35 years, then maybe they would have had a chance. But they weren't. They were born to two young uns, you know, that were twenty one years old and that were in debt and had a car that wouldn't run. You know all that. I mean that's just that's how we started. So so so, so mission, God, God's children, there are very few godly marriages to, to pattern ourselves after. And most of us, the only pattern we have are our own parents. And some of us, our parents were in church and some of us, they weren't. So you have all of that now. But here's the kicker. Satan is going to attack God's labors. That is a known fact. Jesus saw. Jesus looked on the harvest, and and he had compassion. He was moved, and he said, in 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 responding in in his own heart, if we could do anything to help this situation, he asked for one thing, and that's laborers. The key to getting the gospel to the world is laborers. Yes, sir. Therefore, if I'm if I'm on the if I'm the enemy, if I'm in Satan's camp, and I want to prevent the gospel from getting to the world, I'm going to focus on laborers. and and anyone who stepped into the service of God with with this heart, I don't care what they're doing. It doesn't matter if they're cleaning the bathrooms, mowing the grass, or planting a different church every week. But everyone who's ever stepped into cross that line and said, I'm going with God no matter what, here's what they know. That's when the warfare began. And so, and it makes sense because we as a pool of laborers, we are the enemy from Satan's perspective. So he doesn't spend, I mean, there's a lot going on in the honky tonks and the bars and the, and the ungodly places around this world on a Saturday night. But where the enemy's going to focus on Saturday night are those laborers that are getting ready to go preach the gospel to people on Sunday morning. And when you become a missionary, this this whole world of of uh, wrestling not with flesh and blood but principalities becomes very very real. And when he attacks a man, and he attacks a woman, he's going to always attack the marriage. He will attack the marriage and we can look around and, and, you know, you know, I, I, certainly, I don't say this in any judgmental manner. I mean, it's a miracle of God that my wife and I are still trying to serve him and we give him all the glory and it's by totally by his grace. But if we look around at people that have gone to the field and, and, you know, things have happened and they, they've fallen by the wayside or whatever, almost every time it has something to do with the marriage, and maybe not some sinful thing, but just just, you know, they just couldn't handle the pressures of of being over there. And so, therefore, as we as we talk to missionaries and we try to make a difference in their preparation, they we must we must we must spend time on marriage.
0: That's uh that's the very reason that uh, I feel compelled to have a conversation like this because anybody that is familiar with mission service and supporting missionaries has seen what you've just described play out and oftentimes it's uh, it plays out tragically um, and I think trying to at least having some proper expectation of the spiritual pressures is the least that we we should do on the on the front end. Um, to, to realize what to expect, checking our expectations, is a big part of all this. Um, brother, what do you think? So you, you've mentioned the deputation piece, which, um, is, uh, is sort of a trial by fire for a, for a new missionary, because you do have those, you do have all of those pressures and, and for your family, you were traveling, you were doing deputation with five kids, I mean you, you talk about you you're, you drive all day and get to a get to a church for a service and and you expect uh, five kids have been in a car for 8 hours to you know to be the perfect little angels or at least have that presentation that's a well that's a lot of pressure on a mama it's a lot of pressure on a daddy uh so you have that deputation piece and then you go and you begin to make the adjustments all that comes with acclimating to a new field, the cultural adaptation, the language acquisition, the the feeling of, the feelings of isolation that are associated with being in a, in a new culture with people that, you, that, that you're not familiar with, being away from your family, being away from your church family, and, and then the spiritual onslaught, the actual warfare that comes with that. In the early on, at least, I think that first term is critical. Um, what do you think are some common mistakes that husbands tend to make in that, in that first term on the field when some of those pressures that you just described are, are particularly elevated as families begin to adapt to a new culture and, and try to get grounded in, a, in their new home? Their new foreign home—that's uh, a—that's a major consideration. I mean, and, and a man's a man's mentality naturally. He's the the calling and the burden upon his heart is to win centers, to establish churches, to do the work of the ministry. But if his family's not intact, he, his efforts are going to be compromised. So, what do you think are some early um, fault lines that uh, that new missionaries need to be aware of as they make that transition? Amen. Well, first, they've got to remember it's a marathon and
1: not a sprint. Amen. <laughs> and when when we get to the field, you, you said it already perfectly. You've been called to this place, and it wasn't yesterday. It was years ago in many cases. And your heart has is broken to get... The gospel to these people. And you know, that's their only hope. Okay. You get there and it's like your, your, your desire is just get out and do something at the same time. You're in this new world. Your wife in many fields, she, she won't even know how to put together a meal. Now right. uh, for men, you know, at least in my home, I, I don't ever worry about that. You know, my wife, it, it occurred to me maybe 20 years into the marriage, you know, my wife, she's got to deal with this three times a day. <laughs> See, that shows you, you know, we need a lot of help. But anyway, but but she's got children to feed and she doesn't even know how to do anything. That, I mean, you're in a place where just cooking is a huge huge job and she is overwhelmed. Well, the husband must, in in direct answer to your question, one thing he must do is spend the time getting his family used to this environment and whatever time that takes. And that we, we, we normally think a week, two. No, it may take a year. It may take three years. Brother Lee, it may take five years. And you think about this. Even if a man took five years up front and all he did was get his family familiarized with living in this foreign country and adjusting to the culture and trying to get the language. That is a huge. That is time well spent laying down this foundation. Yes, sir. But and and, and so, but the, the missionary is also feeling, well, you know, our supporting churches are going to want me get, getting out and doing this and doing that and the other. And brotherly, I don't know. I don't know every supporting church in America, but I know many. I mean, having deputated twice and having been to many, many independent Baptist churches, which is the only place we go. These men, these pastors, they understand that. And there's not, a, there's not a single pastor that I know that wouldn't give a hearty amen to what I just said. Amen. Not a, not a single one. In other words, whatever pressure we feel to get in there and get the job done, even if it means neglecting our family, that is not coming from God's people. Sure. That's coming from another source. So first of all, if he can just remember that, and if he can remember, his field, his first field that God ever gave him was his wife. He is the husbandman. Adam was a husbandman. He tended the garden. He was responsible for nourishing the garden. He was responsible for the for what happened in that garden. And then that husbandman became a husband. His responsibilities towards his wife are similar. He's responsible for nourishing her, for cherishing her. He's responsible for her growth. He's responsible for doing whatever it takes to to provide an atmosphere that she can, she as an individual child of God can thrive in this foreign place. And that's his first call. It wasn't his second call. It was his first call. Okay. And if he can remember that, because so many husbands say, well, I'm neglecting my call if I take all this
0: time to focus on my wife.
1: Well, he's neglecting his call if he doesn't.
0: As it pertains to pastors, I I, I am a, I appreciate a, a missionary that is conscious of his accountability to his supporting churches, and I know that I know that men want to have something to report to their supporters. But I, I one thing I know that that supporting pastors don't want to read is about a failed marriage on a foreign mission field. Absolutely, that's absolutely the last thing that that a that a supporting pastor wants to read about. We're going to stop there on today's interview with Brother Stephen. This is such a critically important subject, and it has often been neglected to the detriment of our larger mission. I appreciate you taking an interest in the subject matter and listening in today. We'll continue the conversation in our next installment of Great Commission Conversations, and I hope that you'll tune in at that time for the second half of this interview on Marriage and Missions. You can subscribe to this program wherever you receive your podcasts, and if it's been a blessing to you, feel free to invite others to tune in. I always welcome your feedback. You can contact me, Brother Lee, by email at Conversations at gmail.com. Until next time, let's do what we can to preach the gospel in the regions beyond.